I think that time and place in which you read a book can have a very big effect on how it affects you or doesn't affect you. Uncanny Valley, a memoir by Anna Wiener, and the second, The Tattooist of Auschwitz by Heather Morris. So the opener today was by my friend and special guest, Jill Smilke, and I made that the opening today because it's really reflective of, I think, where a lot of us are right now in our lives. I started this podcast, one of the reasons I started this podcast was to find something positive and exciting and different during the pandemic and when we're really limited into the things we can do and the places we can go. But I really didn't want to focus on the pandemic. In fact, I want to not think about it during the time that I'm working on this podcast. But it can't help but seep into our conversation as it did, as you will see, it did today. And... Uh, we talk about two books. The second book is quite a serious book, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. And Jill mentioned that she found a dark book during this time can be strangely uplifting because you can see how someone got through a dark time. And I have found that to be my experience as well. There are times I want to read a super light book. I, I just finished a, a YA novel. But Sometimes a dark book during the dark can be, there can be something uh, redemptive about it, something that we definitely can relate to. So, but before we get into the books, I, I did, I don't want to keep this too dark, and so I wanted to start out with a show that I'm loving on Netflix, and it is definitely an escapist show. And what it is, it's called... Cobra Kai. You've probably seen the ad for it on Netflix. It was not something that I was interested in looking at, but I was watching TV with my husband and we were trying to find something that we could both settle on. And we gave this a go and really are enjoying it. In fact, Jeff, my husband's raced ahead of me in it and I'm going to have to catch up. But what it is, it is uh, where are they now with the cast from The Karate Kid, which is the classic 1980s movie. And if you are were a child of the 80s, you definitely remember this movie. And it's 30 years later, and they've brought back the two main characters plus some other side characters. And where they are now is the, the hero, who was played by Ralph Macchio, Daniel LaRusso, he now owns a car dealership in Southern California, and everyone who buys a car gets a bonsai tree, so he's definitely playing on this, um, his karate past. And his adversary, Johnny, 
is down, down and out. He's a contractor who's lost his job, and he's just decided he's going to find a way to take over the dojo where he trained as a kid. And the dojo, of course, is called Cobra Kai. And so that's the setup, and it really is also interwoven. The teens are a star in the show. It, it definitely has um, the 80s kind of melancholy drama feel. It's a great, it's, it's a family show, actually. So I would recommend, if you are nostalgic at all for the 80s, or you're looking for something to watch with your kids, um, this is something to check out. Now I'd like to move over and uh, talk about meet up with Jill and talk about the books. Hello, Jill. Hi. Are you, how are you doing? Good. Nice to see you on here. It's, uh, I, I got to see you. This is the second time I've seen you today. No. And uh, this morning I joined you. Jill is a holistic nutritionist and she also runs a boot camp a few times a week. And I'll admit, I am not a regular, I say, I think I'm going to go. I'm not a regular um, attendee, but I did make sure that I went today and I enjoyed it. It was um, cloudy and cold, and but it was pretty too. It was misty and we were at the beach and we did some, we ran up some hills and did some stretching and, and now here I, here we are. So, <laughs> um, Jill, I wanted to ask you before we get started, we're going to look at two books and, but I wanted to know what, what are you, it's a new year. What are you, what are you reading right now? Like, what are you thinking about reading and what are you looking forward to with books this year? Good question. I don't, I've, I've been in a bit of a book valley lately of not finding good ones. So what I like to do is um, I always like to have books to look forward to that I'm going to get um, and one thing that I do is go on the, um, if I see books that I like, I immediately go on the Vancouver public library, um, site and put a hold on them. So that way I know I'm going to get them spaced out throughout the year. So that's kind of funny. And I have a bunch on hold right now based on the New York times top 10 books of last year, um, that I'm waiting for, but I am currently reading one called followers, which, um, I don't. Now, it was one of the library, someone at the library at the VPL's top 20 books. It was in there. So I just put those all on hold. Um, and this one came up first. <laughs> it's not my favorite, but it's an interesting read about where technology is taking us. Okay. And it's, and what's the gist of it? What's the... So it's, it's basically, it's, this is the interesting part. It's 2015 and then interspersed with fast forwarding to 2051 it's it tells the story of the mom in 2015 of the 2051 in which is it's not even instagram anymore it's everything's completely techified up to levels that are scary um but it's the story of the mom and the daughter and their experiences with technology through their lifetimes and how it how it changes and the level that it gets to in the 2051 it's it's darkly satire but it's it's a little disturbing it sounds a little bit creepy actually Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm not sure i'm gonna finish it and the good thing about library books is i don't feel if i don't like it i don't finish it yeah um okay and anything else you're you're reading that you're excited about or Mm, well 
I know I shared with you, I read a bunch of health books. Uh, I won't bore you with all those details, but those are what I read mostly. Um, um, I read The Healthy Brain recently, and this is your brain on food. So good reads, and we can talk about those another time if you like. Okay, that sounds good. Um, Okay, well, let's move over and talk about the two books we um, are planning to talk about. And First of all, I'll mention the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because of something Jill said to me, and she lent me this first book, which is, it's Uncanny Valley is the book, and we were sharing it, and she dropped it off, and then we were texting, and she said, you know, maybe this is something you should look at or we should look at, and I just, that's, so that's where that came from, so I just wanted to uh, thank Jill and mention that, and um So this first book, it's called Uncanny Valley, a memoir by Anna Wiener, and it was published in 2020. And what it's about, it covers uh, the years in tech between 2013 and 2016. And it is about a young college grad um, who is working in book publishing in Brooklyn and she's kind of going nowhere fast. It's a glamorous job, but she's not making a lot of money and not getting a lot of responsibility. As an aside, I think Jill and I can both relate to that because we've both worked in journalism and publishing in some form. And, you know, you really love it, but where is this going? And so she's looking for opportunity and she ends up moving to San Francisco to get a job with an ebook startup. Um, with the hopes that she really wants to make a difference. And so she starts out working there. She moves on to work at a, a data analytics startup, which is actually, it's GitHub. She doesn't mention any of the people and places that she works for by name, which is kind of odd, and maybe Jill and I can talk about that, but it is, you can find out it's GitHub. And then by 2016, she leaves the industry because she's disillusioned. So this book is about this short time frame and her thoughts on the industry. And so what I, oh, and I wanted to add that this book has been just won a ton of awards. It New York Times um, called it one of the top 10 books of last year. It's been named one of the best books of 2020 by the Washington Post, the Atlantic, NPR, the Los Angeles Times, L and Esquire. So my first question, Jill, is why do you think this book's been so popular? I was just thinking that when you said that, because I mean, it's good and I really liked it and it's completely my wheelhouse of books. Like I saw it and I was like, I'm reading that one first, but is it the best book of the year? Wow. That's like, all that's high praise, you know? Um, I kind of agree with you. I kind of, I, I think it's really good, really worth re- reading. It is yeah. n- actually not in my wheelhouse, um, this book, but I don't think it's top 10 bucks of the year. I was frankly getting, reading through, like I, I enjoyed it. I looked forward to reading it every night and I read it pretty quickly, but the hype, did it live up to the hype? I guess from what I, I don't know, like it's a solid book and I would hope that there'd be more books like that right um well well, what do you what do you want to say about the book like what did what did you learn from the book or take away from the book well I really like the writing style of it um she's pretty spare in her prose I don't like overly descriptive 
passages and emotive sort of like that. I really like her writing style. Um, I love, I love business books and I love books about, you know, Silicon Valley and that kind of thing. So it's a real, it's very interesting to me. And um, I think there's a big, a big part of the appeal of that book is just getting the insider view of an industry that feels very foreign to me, yeah. to us, I think. Um, and also being able to relate to her as a young woman in a series of crappy jobs, um, you know, until you finally, and I don't know if she's there yet, though it seems like she's reached where she wants to be, a writer with The New Yorker now, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a series of crappy jobs to get someplace that you actually want to be. Um, that her struggle, like, and <laughs> just that sort of, she felt like she had a bit of imposter syndrome, I think, sometimes, especially in that first role with the, it was like a Kindle sort of startup. Yeah. Um, and it was very relatable in that sense. I can relate to that in my youth of having, you know, trying to find, like very directionless um, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and how, where that was going to go. Um, so that, all those things I really liked about it. And those are some, yeah. I thought she was, she's quite funny. It's a, it's clever, it's clever humor. It's not like you're laughing out loud, but you're like chuckling to yourself. And she talks about, like, she uses the term, the startup twin set, which is a branded hoodie unzipped to reveal a t-shirt with the same logo. And that just really, I thought that was funny. I know, you can just picture that, right? You totally picture that. And then the other one that I thought was really clever, she talks about, she's going for a job interview and she's in the kitchen and she's, she says, are these people, is this company, are they training for a marathon or having an after-school snack or what's going on? Because it's like, you know, it's filled with the requisite cubes of cheese, yogurt, power bars, whatever drink is happening. And it's all like, it's all part of this, um, the just... It's like a, it's a cult. She, she describes the, she describes this as a cult. The one thing I also want to mention, I actually looked up Uncanny Valley. Mm. It is a term. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Did you know what it well, was? I looked it up. I didn't know that. I thought the name seemed really fitting regardless. And then I looked it up and it has a deeper meaning um, that, what is it? it? refers to the strangeness we feel towards humanoid objects like robots and CGI stuff. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought that was kind of a very um, fitting title. I thought it was really good. It, basically, yeah. it means the more a robot looks like a human, the more creeped out we get. Mm-hmm. And it's so the valley or the dip in our interest. Yeah. And uh, that's really interesting. But the, the other thing she talks a lot about is just kind of um, the disillusionment because she's, you know, taught to be down with the cause and all this stuff. And then really what technology does, of course, is potentially eliminates other jobs. It's, or it's more efficient or, you know, spreads information more widely. And then she talks about not really understanding exactly the implications of what she was doing. And so that's kind of, that's I read I, a great quote about it um, because I, <laughs> it makes me wonder why I like these books so much, but um, I think it was in Wired, and it's, it said, Silicon Valley is a world that wants to flatten the richness of life, make it optimized, prioritized, <clears throat> monetized, and controlled. And 
that appeals to me, rightly or wrongly, but I think that sense of being able to control your environment, track your measurements, those kind of things, that that really summed it up well for me. Yeah, I think that's a good... I think that's a good summary. So, oh, and the one last thing I'll say, um, it's been compared when I was reading about it. A lot of people compare it to Michael Lewis's book, um, Liar's Poker, Mm. who did an expose about his time on Wall Street in the 80s. So it's considered yeah, similar, similar. But um, okay, well, it's, I think that's good. I think we both kind of give it a thumbs up, but maybe it's not the top 10 of our of our year but and then okay the next book um this is another book that jill put forward that she really enjoyed and it's called the tattooist of auschwitz and it's by new zealand novelist heather morris and it was written in 2018 so jill why don't you give a summary of what that book is about okay well uh I did. I read that one so long ago now, Amy, you're really testing me here, but I just going to, um, so it was, it's set in world war II. Um, a Slovakian Jew named Lael is, um, sent to the Auschwitz to, he's sent there and they, they figure out that he can speak many different languages. So they make him the t- tattooist, the one who brands the numbers on the prisoner's arms. Um, and it is what, well, there's a little bit of background here, um, on this story that makes it kind of cool is the woman who wrote this is a New Zealand novelist and she was introduced to a man who said, you need to speak to my friend who went through this ordeal. And that's the genesis of it, which I think is really cool. And it is creative fiction. Um, so it's not completely like she's taken liberties with it and she admits that and um she actually said that she tried to shop it first as a movie which it would make a great movie and I think that that will be coming at some point um but yeah and so it's a lot there's a love story in there but the thing that the, the mark to me of a good book is one that you remember and sticks with you and this one sticks with me because I read it I have had it on my bedside for about Uh, two years. And I was like, I don't want to read it. It looks too depressing. Um, and then COVID hit and I was like, I was starving for content for one thing (laughs) and books. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to give it a go. Um, and I found it so uplifting and just really inspiring. And I, I just, I thought it was a beautiful book. And what, I mean, the story, they're obviously in the camps. So what, what was, uplifting to you that there's that they found love during a dark time that he what was uplifting to you well of course the perseverance of the human spirit right I mean the 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 conditions that they live in are absolutely horrendous and not fathomable to most of us um and I don't well I don't want to give any spoilers but it has a it has a good ending and um okay yeah. Okay. Well, let me, I have a couple of questions about that. So one yeah. thing I wanted to ask you is if, so this book is called historical fiction. Mm. Um, if you, if it had just been fiction and didn't have this truth to it, would it have been as interesting to you or is the book interesting because it's based on a true story? Mm, good. Yes. I think that definitely, 
that because there's also a, a sequel to it now I understand so yes that does make it more interesting because I'm like what happened to this man I want to know their story I want to know how it ended up Okay. So that, that plays in. And mm-hmm. then the other thing, uh, when I was reading about this book, there's, there are, it's interesting because she has said it's historical fictions, but there are some discrepancies in the book. And for some people that's, um, a deal breaker or, or they've pointed it out. And one of them is, I guess the number on her arm is, um, one of the women, the, the lead woman in the book is it Gita? Gita. 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 Um, it's wrong. Like it's not the number that they give is not the actual number. And I, does that, how do you feel about that? And, um, or does that, it is called historical fiction. So does that? Yeah. It's interesting why they got that wrong. I wonder, like it would have been easy to get that right. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I think what happened was, I think I read that she the woman has said that was her number somewhere, but it wasn't the number. I don't know, but she'd have the number. I, yeah, that's hard to say. What's interesting, I, I did, I had a chat with a friend of mine um, that I grew up with. Uh, her name's Jennifer, and she's a great friend of mine, and she happens to be Jewish and also has read this book. And so I called her, and I was like, I just want to ask about the fact that there's some discrepancies here. How do you feel about that? And she said something kind of interesting. She said, well, people had to do bad things in order to survive. It's just a fact, like they just did. And there was good and bad in the people that survived. And there was a lot of guilt. But it's important that they survive and tell their stories and just anything. She just felt that basically what one of the things I read was that the lead guy might not be a, as good in every way as he's portrayed in the book. That, so that that was kind of, I guess that was my question to her, like how, yeah. and that was her response is that it's just really hard to separate everything and, and it's important to get the stories out. But anyway, that was her. I agree I, with, I, I agree with that. And I hope it doesn't do a disservice to Gita that the number is somewhat, uh, well, we don't know if it's right or not, but the, the, I think that is such a, it, well, one thing with reading it, the timing for me was so bang on. I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as if it hadn't been the beginning of the world shutting down into the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, because I was feeling very anxious at the time. And it just felt like a, like we can get through this. Oh, mm-hmm. I like that's interesting. That's really interesting that a, a dark book. I know. That's why it stuck with me. Otherwise, oh. honestly, I probably would never have read it, maybe, because I never, it looked too sad to read. And then it had the opposite effect. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. That, that reminds me of a book. Have you read Station Eleven? Have you read yes, that I book? Yes, I love that book. I love that book. So have I. You, have I, you read her new one? Well, it's not that new. I, I have read it, Glass, Glass, Glass House. Yeah. And I'm planning to do something on that later. But interestingly, um, just. That book is about a pandemic, which it, it, I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. And it, weirdly, I found I did what you did as I picked it up, and I was like, oh my god, I have to read this now. Yeah, I just can't even believe some of the feelings. It's more fantastical than what we're going through, but that yeah. germ of the feeling, like remember in the beginning in March, yeah. where we were all kind of in denial because 
Um, we were all maybe had plans to do things or go on trips or even see people. And your world just started to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And I kept kind of thinking, oh, and then there's a point where in that book, they're, they're running to the store to get things before yeah. like and yeah. you just and then there's a point where we were sitting in March of last year where the whole world was like there's just not you you're just grateful that you have your family and and and, and everyone with you and that you have have love and if you have a roof on your head by the way I'm I'm over that phase just to be clear but at that point that's all I wanted and and you this station 11 then to remember that feeling yeah like it really made you grateful anyway well thank you thank you so much jill thank you thanks for having me thank you for joining me bye bye thank you to our guest jill schmelke and to you the listener for tuning in to the latest edition of the red fern book review if you like what you heard please feel free to share with your friends or your book group you can find me on Instagram at AmyVTM or on Facebook at Amy Mayer. I will be placing all the books and resources we spoke about today in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.